Hello, my name is Brian Silver, pastor of Hope Community Church in Lower Town in the beautiful and historic neighborhood of Lower Town in St. Paul, Minnesota. And welcome to Sunday Rewind, where we discuss the major doctrines of the Christian faith and then discuss the real-life implications of that doctrine with a guest from our church. Okay, welcome back, everyone, to Sunday Rewind. Really glad you're able to be here for our historic 10th episode. Can you believe it? We've done this 10 times, uh, which doesn't seem like that much, but um, but it has been. <laughs> it, uh, it's been, been a lot of fun being able to do this. I have really have enjoyed this, more, honestly, more than I thought I would. I thought it would kind of be like homework or a chore. It's not. I really, really enjoy teaching. Uh, I enjoy taking... Again, two and a half hours of a lecture, jamming it into, uh, you know, initially I thought it was going to be 15 minutes, but it has consistently been 30. So thanks for listening, those of you who who uh, listen uh, faithfully. And even if you just pick one or here, that's all awesome. So thanks. All right, today we're actually going to be talking about God's will um, and specifically the providence of, of God. Before I jump into this, I like to give a little bit of a backstory uh, for this as well. Back in my first ministry, I actually was a pastor in, in normal Illinois, and um, I was kind of the new guy on the block, and we, we decided to try something new with our, our um, Sunday school classes, if you will. And I was a college pastor, and so I didn't, I don't know, even you're, you know, I was a young guy, I was only 24, I think, and didn't get a lot of respect, right? And so what we decided to do is all the pastors, I think there was six or seven of us full-time at the time on staff, and we it was a larger church down there in Illinois, and, and we decided, hey, we're going to each take, you know, I forget how many weeks, six, eight weeks, and we're going to teach a class, a Sunday school class, to kind of break up the traditional classes or, or rooms that we had. I actually think they called them adult Bible fellowships, I think like ABFs, I think is what they called them. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, we we're going to break them up. And what we decided to do was on a Sunday morning when the whole church was gathered, each pastor would get up there and give a sales pitch to get everyone to try to come to their, their class. And I, you know, again, I'm the new guy, I'm the young guy, I didn't think anyone was going to come to my class. So what I decided to do was do a true and false test. And I got up on stage and I did this true and false test based on God's will. And I said, okay, if you answered any of those questions, any of them false, uh, you need to come to my class. And my class was packed, right? In a good way. I thought, okay, this is great. A lot of people, there's a lot of confusion on this topic. Well, just last year, I actually found those questions and went through them with my class. And, and I said the same thing. I was like, how many of you answered, uh, you know, I, for, I forget what it was, false on all of them. And nobody raised their hand. And I said, like, how many said true on all of them? Nobody raised their hand. And I was like, wait, what? Uh, and they're like, no, number, they're all false, but number six is true or something like that. One of them. And I was like, oh my goodness, you're totally right. I messed that up. So that's why my class was packed. After all these years, I, I now realize they all came because I duped them. I duped them into coming to my class and they probably like, wait a second. Well, he never answered all the questions. He only answered nine of the 10 questions that that would make sense. So, uh, I'm not going to give you the list of questions. I don't have them in front of me. Uh, but this is another topic that I am really passionate about. It's another topic that, again, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not an expert. So don't, don't, if you're listening right now and you want to hear like the creme de la creme 
the cream of the crop when it comes to theology on the will of God or man's free will, which we'll, we'll dabble with today. Uh, but that will come later when we start, uh, when we're under the topic of anthropology or the study of man, um, which that, that's going to be a long ways down the road. So the will of God, this is something that I'm not the expert on, and yet I'm passionate about it. I've read a lot about this. I've preached on this numerous times. Uh, matter of fact, when I first started uh, Hope Lower Town, um, I preached through Reformed theology, and uh, this was kind of one of the topics. And so I'm kind of boiling it down to what it is. Okay, so there's there's two words that get thrown around within Christianity, one being the providence of God and one being the sovereignty of God. Is there a difference? And I would argue yes. And and maybe it's just because I'm too much of a student um, of the Ref, of the reformers of the Reformation of Martin Luther and John Calvin um, and the like. And there's a lot of others uh, that 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 would fall into that category. That would say that the idea between providence uh, is going to be more along the line of God is in control of everything that happens. Whereas sovereignty kind of leans a little bit more into salvation, right? So when we talk about, uh, you know, Reformed theology and we talk about tulip or we talk about, am I chosen by God to be saved? That's going to kind of fall under that section of sovereignty, whereas providence is more in the sense of he is in complete control of everything that happens, so the way the earth spins and the sun and the moon and the stars and the cells in our bodies and even COVID-19, that, that we would say that's under his providence. And sovereignty is kind of reserved a little bit more for salvation. Now, one thing, and I'm just going to say this now at the outset, because I have to say it every year to my students, in this chapter on God's will or on God's providence and sovereignty, um, he, he kind of jams them together. And I wish he didn't, because he actually spends about 15 pages of his book right here early on under the doctrine of God talking about the salvation of man. And I don't think you have to do that. I think, and because he's going to do it again, you know, uh, you know, 30, 40 chapters later, why, why do you got to do that now? And right here in, you know, chapter 11, I think is where we're at, or maybe it's, maybe it's probably 15. So what I want to do now is focus on that providential side of God his control, uh, his will, if, 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 if you will. Uh, so that's what I want to look at. All right. When we look at scripture, again, this kind of falls under that antinomy aspect that I can see that human beings have a free will, that we can make choices, that our choices impact things, that they matter. They make a difference. Um, and yet I find this idea of a providential God. All right. And if I use from here on out, if I accidentally use sovereign and providential, I'm using them interchangeably. I'm not, I'm okay. So I'm, I'm not trying to confuse anybody from what I just said, because I understand it. It's just the way that we, we use those words now. Um, and I, and I do too. So it's, it's not like a heresy or anything. So, <clears throat> okay. So God's in control. And we see that in scripture that there's, there's prophecies all throughout scripture, old and new Testament. Uh, there are promises that God God makes and they come true. All these different things. That God's in control of everything. That he knows the past, the present, the future. That he, he dictates what's going to happen in the future and key crucial events that are going to happen. That's why he can prophesy and talk about 
uh, a virgin who's going to conceive and this child is going to be born in Bethlehem. And, and, and there's thousands upon thousands of these prophecies. How can he do that if he cannot see into the future or even as he's removed from time when we talked about the attributes of God, that he's, he's outside of that. He doesn't have to like look into the future. He is in the future. Okay. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about all that when we get into foreknowledge and predestination again in the, in, in the coming months. But for right now, let's just look at scripture and say, and I'm not even going to quote verses here because it's really just the whole Bible is like, yeah, it, God's in control. Right, he's he's providential in everything that he does. Um, <clears throat> okay, so where do we go from here? This is where, when I teach this class, I'm whiteboarding like crazy. Okay, so I need you to use your your uh, your imagination with me and imagine uh, an umbrella, okay, or or some kind of large overarching thing, but it doesn't stop. Okay, like an umbrella has an endpoint. We got to go future past, uh, you know, infinity past and an infinity future. God is completely in control of all of that. All right. This, this giant span of infinite time, past and future, he's in control of that. And, 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 and the present, obviously, this whole, this spans all time. And I can go back and I can look at key points in history and go, yep, God was in control of that. God was in control of that. God was in control of that. Okay. You get it? And as things happen in the future, say God was in control of that. God was in control of that. This is going to fly in the face of something called open theism. Uh, I'm not going to get into that a whole lot right now. That'll come up later. But open theism is this idea that God can only react to real time, real world events. So when there is a catastrophe, right? This huge explosion that happened in Beirut. God didn't know that was going to happen. If he knew that was going to happen, he wouldn't have let it happen, right? It's this, it's, it's a ploy to try to appease God uh, and try to remove him from an incident. Oh, he's loving. That never would have, a loving God never would have let that happen. Right? Okay. That's, that's a whole other conversation. I don't want to open that can of worms. But I cannot look at the Bible and the God of that Bible and say he didn't know that was going to happen. I can't do it. Now, do I understand why he allows things like that to happen? No, I don't. Okay? But what I do know is that human uh, actions have real consequences. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll get there. All right. But open theism though says God's only reacting. So after that explosion goes off, he can now only enter into that space and try to comfort people in their pain and their suffering. Cause, cause a, a God that is in control, a God that is providential and sovereign never would allow that to happen. Although a providential sovereign God who's loving never, that never would have happened. Okay. Well, let's just, whatever. All right. There's a whole nother conversation. God's in control. And I see that from scripture and, it, and the, the, all, all of the Bible flies in the face of this idea of open theism, which again, we'll, we'll talk about at length in the future. So I've got this overarching thing. Okay. Now that, that umbrella, this idea of, of God being completely in control <clears throat> from past to future um, is what Jonathan Edwards calls his sovereign decree. Uh, he just says it and it's going to happen. We have no control over that, okay? Things like, well, yeah, natural disasters for sure. But I think the obvious things that we don't have any say in whatsoever. We have no say in this, I, this, this, this idea of God's will, his, his will of decree, his sovereign will. Sorry, Jonathan Edwards calls it the will of decree, uh, where uh, John Piper calls it the uh, sovereign will, okay? Will of decree. So you have so you have this will of decree, 
I say it, it's going to happen. Okay. I had no choice to be born in New Britain, Connecticut, uh, October 9th, 1985 as a man, as a white man. I had no choice in that whatsoever. God did that. God completely decided that for me. And, and you can fill in the blank. There's a lot of things that happen in my life that are completely out of my control. 100%. Okay. That is his will of decree. His will of command or his moral will is what is revealed. His revealed will sometimes is referred to, and that is the Bible. Okay, so imagine that umbrella that expands from eternity past to eternity future. But instead of one handle, you've got two handles. Okay, and then don't picture an umbrella. It doesn't really matter. There's just a, a, a thing on the top, a line going across the top, past the future, and two lines coming down. And what is happening is now in, in between these lines is what is God's revealed will or uh, will of uh, command or his moral will. All right. What in the world does that mean? What it means is the Bible. What it means is how he has revealed himself to us and what his will is for us to do. All right. This is the will of God. Oh, what is the will of God, Bible? All right. That you, sh you should flee sexual immorality. Oh, okay. So what does that mean? That means that there are things and events that take place outside of God's moral will or revealed will that are still completely underneath his providential will or his will of decree. For example, let me explain this one. And, and even, even things that are bad. Okay, which again doesn't make any sense, but let me let me put this in this, and I think this is a, a, a powerful God trying to use human language for us to be able to comprehend and understand these things. In Luke 2 and 4, Peter, the Apostle Peter, says this two different times. He says, You lawless men killed and crucified. Okay, that's murder. What God's revealed will tells me is thou shalt not kill. All right, it's pretty pretty black and white. What is God's will? Don't commit murder. Okay. He says, you killed, you lawless men killed and murdered the son of God. But then what does he say? According to the predetermined will of God. Okay. Whoa. So, so Peter, you're saying the most heinous act in the history of all humanity, the murder of God's own son, murder's bad. Lawlessness is bad. Hatred's bad. Torture's bad. Crucifixion's bad. They did that according to God's providential will. Yeah. So what the way we could describe this, if we could put this into, into our, our words, is that nothing happens. Nothing happens in this world outside of the will of God. Even the things that God doesn't want to happen. Okay, now, because again, human choices matter. And so what God has revealed in his will, in his revealed will of the scripture, is how we ought to conduct ourselves as human beings, how, how we ought to live, how we ought to love, how we ought to spend our money. Again, specifically, no. Why? Because he's not a micromanager. He's a shepherd. He's a really good shepherd. So within his revealed will, what does he say? Don't kill. Now, is what Peter's saying, that Roman soldier 
who nailed Jesus to the cross, did he not have a choice? Did he not have a choice in that moment? Was it was he like possessed by by the Father God who said this was the plan from eternity past? This is what we decided on that Jesus would have to die for his his creation, that he was going to die for his human being image bearers. So this Roman soldier that's now nailing my son to the cross, he doesn't have a choice. I'm going to I'm going to kind of possess him, if you will, and I'm going to nail my own son to the cross. Is that what happened? No. No, I'm telling you right now that that Roman soldier had a choice. Now, what was his choice? I can follow the command to nail this guy to the cross or I can probably get killed. Right. Those were honestly probably his choices. They're terrible choices, but it's still a choice. All right. So, so God said, yes, this Jesus, the Messiah, must suffer and die. He must be lifted up just as the snake was lifted up in the wilderness. Sorry, I'm getting Exodus, Old Testament on us here. All these prophecies, all these things, all predetermined by God. His providential will. And yet people committed sin in order to follow that plan. How does that work? I don't know. But what I do know is that I have a choice. I have a choice, okay? Here's, a, here's now, let's maybe get a little bit more practical when we talk about things. We talk about buying a house. The Bible doesn't say anything about buying a house. Can I? Is it possible, possible for me to be inside of God's will or outside of God's will? This, this revealed will, if you will. Because everything, I don't care what choice you make, I don't care what you do, it's going to be underneath God's providential will. But am I actually going to be within God's Sovereign, or sorry, moral will, or his, his revealed will, obeying scripture. Okay, let's look at it. Should I uh, go into copious amounts of debt? No. I think scripture gives us some pretty good uh, logic and some verses behind why we shouldn't have to owe anything to anybody. So should I go into huge amounts of debt to people that I can't repay or that I have to flee or run away? No. Nope. Should should I should I buy a house that I'm going to have to do something illegal to uh, obtain it or pay for it or whatever? No, no. God's told us that. Don't do that. All right. Should I should I get something or should I buy a house that just is all about me and my comforts and I could care less about the outside world? And no, I don't. I don't think so. Right. And there's 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 a there's a lot of wisdom within the scripture, even within and without this idea of the revealed will. But what's beautiful about our God is he is a shepherd. Let's take marriage, for example. I always use this one in class. All right, there are, I know the number is growing, seven, I always say 7.5 billion, but it's probably closer to 8 billion now, but 7.5 billion people in the world. All right, what does the Bible say? Well, we can open up a whole other conversation. I'm not going to do that. We'll get into this uh, later when we talk about, again, anthropology and those kinds of things. But I think scripture is quite clear. Uh, that marriage is between uh, one man and one woman. Okay, so then that means there is now 3.5 billion women. Okay, what? Okay, any any other stipulations that that we have, right? Uh, well, for me personally, it'd be nice to be able to communicate with them. I'd like to be able to speak their language. I only speak uh, English, and I can read Koine Greek, <laughs> so that doesn't really help me out a whole lot. All right, so when I'm looking for a wife, I want to be able to have a conversation with them. Now, does that mean I can't go learn another language to communicate with them? No, not at all. But I do think there are some pretty good biblical principles to love your wife 
and it would be really hard to love my wife if I couldn't talk with her and listen to her, right? Okay, so that narrows it down. Now, now we're just within the United States and, and England um, and, and a lot of other countries that still speak English. What's another one? Well, they must—they got to be a Christian. Scripture talks about not being unequally yoked with, with somebody who's not another believer. Okay, that really narrows it down. And then what? Well, that's about it. Okay, so what's that narrow it down to? I don't, I don't know. A hundred million? I mean, I don't... I don't I, yeah, he's a shepherd. He leads us to green pastures and he says, go eat. Pick what you want to pick. And as soon as I go to bite a blade of grass, is he, is he like, no, 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 not, not that. I know I said you could, you could go anywhere. Maybe not that one. That's not a good fit for you. Or, or am I just like a predetermined thing? Am I just, am I just preordained to marry a certain specific a soulmate, if you will? No, I don't think so. What I like to tell my wife is that out of, out of the 3.5 or 4 billion women in the world, I choose you. I choose you. That, that to me is more romantic than, well, God wills that we should be together. You're my soulmate, so I guess we got to do this thing. That's not romantic. That's not romantic. I just, I just got back from my 10-year anniversary with my wife. And I love my wife. We have so much, we had so much fun. Went to Wisconsin and just hiked around. And we both were like, man, I wouldn't want to be here with anybody else. Like, this is the, you're the only human being in the world that I would want to be doing this with right now. We just get each other. Now it's taken 10 years to get there. It takes time. Man, I love my wife. And I chose my wife. I always use this illustration. My dad, when I was a kid, used to take me to big lots. We don't really have a lot of big lots up here, but I, I know they're around um, up here being uh, the Twin Cities in Minnesota. And uh, I, we'd go into big lots. We didn't have a lot of money. My dad was a pastor as well. And, and um, yeah, we, we just didn't have a lot of money. So when we'd go into a store, I knew not to, I learned, you know, don't ask for things. <laughs> don't ask for a candy bar. Don't ask for a toy. If my dad wants to buy me a toy, he'll buy me a toy. If he wants to buy, let me get a candy bar, he's going to let me get a candy bar. Don't ask. All right, that's, that's just kind of how it was. But I remember, every once in a while, we'd go into that store, and he would say, Brian, let's go get a toy. And he'd take me to a section, and he would say, why don't you get a Lego, a Lego thing, and uh, you can get any Lego you want, as long as it's under $5. Okay, see what happened here? Now, my dad's in control. He's got the wallet. He's got the size. He's got all the things, right? If you will, he's uh, sovereign over me. And he then now just revealed his will to me. I can choose any Lego. That's $5 and under. Can I choose the Robin Hood one? That's $1? Yes, I can. Can I choose the Batman one? That's $3? Yes, I can. Can I choose the pirate set? That's $6? Don't even think about pointing at that one. Why? My dad was a good shepherd. God is a good shepherd. He says, go in here. These are my guidelines. Go. Well, what if, what if I'm right up at $4.99? Yeah, that's okay. What if I'm at one penny? Yeah, that's okay. You can do what you want. Because the rules that God has given to us, if you want to call it rules, they're life-giving. That's a whole other conversation, and I don't want to. I'm not going to preach to you here, but holy cow, there's nothing in the scripture that's arbitrary. 
God never says, or Jesus never says, hey, five times a day, I want you to, to walk backwards. Why? Well, just because. And there's none of that. It's I want you to be a husband of one wife and I want you to love her the way that Christ loves the church. I want you to be faithful to her. I want you to not be greedy. I don't want you to be addicted to much wine. Wow, that sounds pretty crummy. Well, man, holy cow. It's so good. One last thing that I want to mention here when we talk about this idea of free will and the moral will of God and all that kind of thing. When I'm studying my Bible, I can read verses that will say God's will or God is not willing. I have to sit there and do a little homework and try to figure out what kind of will of God is this? Is this his providential, you know, big, big picture sovereign will? Or is this his revealed moral will? Because when God's, when, when the scripture reveals it is God's will for your life to flee sexual immorality. Guess what? Unlike being born in Connecticut that I don't have a choice on, I have a choice for that one. I can say, yeah, no, nah, I'm out. I'm good. And then we get to verses that say, God is not willing that any should perish. This is in Second Peter. I'm actually going to be preaching on this in a couple weeks. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Okay, so it's not God's will that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, man, if that's God's sovereign providential will, we're all saved. It's all good. God willed it. God willed that everyone would be saved. We're good. Or is this, God, I'm, as, as, as your father, as your God, I do not want to see my pinnacle of creation suffer. I do not want them to perish. I want to see you all come to redemption. Well, how do we do that? Well, guess what, human? It's our choice. And our choices have eternal consequences. Now, Jonathan Edwards, when he got into free will and all that, the law of free will, this is what he said. Free moral agents always act according to the strongest inclination they have at the moment of choice. This is from his book, The Freedom of the Will. Free moral agents always act according to the strongest inclination they have at the moment of choice. Okay, you are right now listening to this. Why did you listen to this? Why did you listen to this podcast uh, at the time that you chose to listen to this? Why did you listen to this podcast at the time in the place you chose to listen to this? It was your strongest inclination. It was, well, this time's convenient for me. This place is more convenient. I can scream and yell at Brian and no one will hear me. I, I don't know. Why did you sit down in that spot? I don't know. It was closest to the bathroom. I don't know. It was closest to the refrigerator. It was, why are you pacing around right now? I don't know. I, I think better when I'm walking around. Free moral agents always act according to the strongest inclination they have at the moment of choice. So we have something deep inside of us that says, this is what I want to do. Now, is that inclination then good, neutral, or evil? R.C. Sproul says this, every choice that we make is free. Every choice we make is determined. 
Now, here's what he's saying, and here's what he's not saying. He's saying every choice we make is free. I can make this choice. I can pick up a pen, and I can throw a pen, and I did that. Now, every choice I make is determined. Not predetermined. It's not predeterminism. I'm not a robot. It is determined. What is it determined by? It's determined by my strongest inclination. And what is my strongest inclination? Most often, because I'm a sinner, is selfish. Most often, because I'm a fallen creature, is because I'm totally depraved. And I'm just doing this for my best interest. I'm just doing this for me. Always no, because I have a choice. I have a choice now that I'm a believer and I can choose to set my preference aside for fill in the blank, for the church, for my wife, for my kids. That opened up a whole other can of worms. All right, we'll dig into that more and we when we get, you know, into chapters, you know, 40 uh, out of the 56 or whatever it is that we have in the book. So I hope that was helpful. And um, uh, just stay tuned. Hopefully I'll have someone that just listened to that and we'll be able to talk back and maybe fill in some blanks, uh, have some questions, and uh, we'll just we'll just keep bouncing off of each other here. Um, and uh, yeah, so I hope that was helpful. I hope the language wasn't too confusing. But we'll uh, we'll be right back with the guest. So stay stay tuned uh, with uh, the second half of of episode ten of Sunday Rewind. Thanks. All right. Okay. So with us, we actually have a very special guest. He was actually our first guest slash a uh, good friend of mine, Andrew Blaufus. You're too he, kind. Uh, okay. Well, uh, you, you've, I mean, <laughs> very no, I mean, but you've, special you've been, guest. You've, no, you are, man. You, you, you're special. You're special to me yeah. and you've been producing this whole thing. Um, so I know you kind of introduced yourself in the first thing. What's new? Because when this started, we were sitting in your kitchen, yep. uh, face to face, no mask yep. on. We were just recording this thing. That was back in March, I think. Yep. Yeah. So, no. What's new? So I actually remember I talked about the fact that I was reading a book on digital minimalism. Yeah. And uh, let's just say that that flew out the window real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I've finished Netflix. I'm not going to say that saying came directly from me. I stole it from well, somebody. You, but you, you finished Netflix? Yeah, like I watched everything. I feel like I've watched. There's nothing. There's nothing. I mean, there probably Netflix. is, but it's just like, it's, it's That's impressive. Off. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. But right. hey, it's summer now. I mean, it's been summer for a while and uh, we've been, I've been golfing a lot and just hanging yeah, out. Well, but you, but you work at a golf course though too, right? I do. I just started working at one pro shop, Arbor Point Golf Course. Bass Pro Shop. Not bass. Not bass. Oh. No. Sorry. I'm different, not a not a fisherman, unfortunately. Different pro shop. Yeah. Well, hey man, glad you're able to be here. Uh this is actually a, a kind of a fun episode because the ten. this is ten, which is actually a this milestone, is, right? Well, here's I mean, I don't know if there's any history by, behind ten being a milestone, but for us, I'm pretty excited about it. For you, I'm excited about it. No, just the other day I googled, uh, I googled, uh, I don't know, analytics with when it came to, uh, you know, I just said Google and my phone was like, I'm listening. Don't worry. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know Google. I know you're there. Trust me. Um, oh, okay, okay, Google. Don't, 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 don't do that. Why would you do that? Um, oh, sorry, that's I didn't mean to. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I guess for some reason podcasts they they stop after episode nine. 
So I don't know why. Uh, what analytics site were you on? Well, the the G word. I don't want to say it again because oh, I don't yeah, want to. Yeah. yeah, you know the uh, work the work the you know Google machine, and yeah. uh, we're good. So I don't know. For some reason, they just said, "Hey, ten was a is was a big deal." I don't know why. I like uh, it. So we're here. We are. Well, we've come a long way since episode one. Yes. Uh, in the beta stages. Yeah. And, and I and I've gotten more comfortable with this. I think the listeners have gotten more comfortable. Uh, everyone, you know, on the on the podcast have gotten a little more comfortable because we didn't know what to talk about, we didn't know what to say, but now here we are, right? And so you were you were the one of the first ones that we talked with. Um and I got a little little stomach bug yesterday, and so uh, it works out well that you're here. So well, here's here's the thing, just to just to toot Brian's horn a little bit. Yeah. I'm biased because I've been uh, working on the podcast and seeing how much work he's been putting in. But it's been cool to see how hard this guy's been going, trying to help people learn about Christ, learn about Christianity, learn about the doctrines that matter in life, and. Uh, I don't know. I know it's only I know it's 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 going places further from here. Like we're not done at 10. We're not no. we're not going to be that analytic. Not even close. But it's been uh cool and I'm excited to keep going with it. So. Well, thanks dude. Appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Well, this one uh is kind of a tricky one. This is about God's uh will, which which is always interesting. There's it's it, there's a lot of complexity to it. And so um when it came to well, the, the the podcast that I obviously pre- like the first half of this, was there anything in there that you felt like I don't know? I mean, you said this. I'm I'm struggling with the language or any clarification when it comes to that overarching providential or sovereign will of God versus His revealed will, which is the Bible, and yet I can obey that. Does that? Is, I mean, is there anything that you would say just right off the cuff, like? Yep. Yeah, I so again, I think because I've heard you talk about this stuff before, i.e. we did this in our small group probably like four years ago. um, I think I'll always in some way struggle with it because it's like it's kind of like the Trinity, like I dubbed it Trinity light. Yeah. Where it's like it's still mind boggling that like both of the it can be both and. Mm Um but I think I have a better grasp on it because that analogy of the umbrella, it being the overarching umbrella and then the stem with the handle, the the handle handle that comes down being the revealed will um, makes sense to me. But the one thing I did think about is another analogy used. I don't know if it completely applies, but I figure I, I dive into that. Um, You gave me an analogy that I think pastor Steve from hope downtown gave to you at one point and you use with the 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 field like the fence like being the overall will of god but he's not going to tell you what to do and you can roam free within that is that something that applies to this or is it a little different well <laughs> that's a little that's a little bit different that's more of a steveism not a godism uh but yeah no he he just in his well, I'm just saying for analogies yeah for analogies not completely well he that's yeah. more of a personal he has what he calls 13 fence lines. It's a, a, a shape of 13 sides, if you can imagine that. It's like an octagon, but instead of an octagon, it's got 13 sides. Um, 
And he's saying, you can go do whatever you want to do in the field. Just don't hit the fence. Um, that's more of like a like a CEO talking to his employees to say, like, yeah, okay, yeah. we don't have to we don't have to delve into that. <laughs> I thought it might apply. No, no, no. But it, it kind of does. But, but God is like, here you're in or you're out. I don't have 13 in and outs. I just have. Yeah, it's 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 different. But but I get it. Yeah, there's there's fence lines, but. Well, if, if anybody's interested about the fence analogy, ask Brian about it at some <laughs> yeah. point and yeah. he can describe it better. Yeah, that was it's more of a, um, I don't know, a, a leadership principle than it would be a God's will theology principle. But it's dude, it's it's all Lo- good. it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, lo- it's the same yeah. thing. It's just that I would just say that God has revealed a way. So when he says marry somebody not even married. You don't have to marry anybody, right? So that's another thing of like, do I have to get married? No, like, do like what? Okay, then there's there's these fence lines, but he's gracious. That's all. There's there's freedom in that, and so to maybe tie in what you're talking about. Yes, my boss Steve Trichler is very gracious. Uh, just don't don't climb over the fence. And God's the same way. <laughs> Not to try to compare Steve to God, but it's the same way. If I don't jump over this fence line. Uh, one of his meetings or one of his things is I don't want to be surprised in a meeting. So I don't want to go into a meeting. I'm like, Oh, Steve, by the way, next Sunday we got to cancel because I rented it out to a party. He's like, no, 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 no. That's, I don't want to be surprised by that. So that's, that's one of the fence lines. Okay. That's a, yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's move on, uh, with, um, the the one of the questions that I I try to ask you is like do you did you believe there was one way or like one will of God for you because I didn't talk about this and yet this was huge in my life growing up that there was God yep. God had a will for my life how 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 were you with that yeah I think especially just in the the American culture that I lived in and a, and even the Christian culture that I lived in growing up. I think there was this idea of kind of going out and grabbing what's in front of you and what God's given you and using it to the full and doing it all for God and prospering through that. Um, and I think I more so thought of it in terms of like what you were saying. Um, that's not exactly true now that we're older and able to comprehend just this idea of having a soulmate or mm-hmm. like having this one person that's just for you and, and you got to find her or him. And it's like, if you don't, then you can't be married or something like that. And then the other side of it, just my hopes and hopes and dreams about playing professional sports. But I think that might, <laughs> that might just be uh, a young, young child's dream yeah, it's, at it's some not, point. It's not but too late. It's not too late. Still got ups, man. You got, you got, a, ch- you got a chance. you never know uh what was the what was the movie dennis quaid uh the rookie yeah the rookie oh man you know i cry every time you never know dude yeah uh yeah so when it comes to that aspect of like does god have a will for your life this was a huge thing for me growing up and again i know we grew up in different circles but for me this was like 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 there's a there's a very specific will that you need to yeah. find like you you need huh. to go out and do it and if you sin 
or you make a decision that's not in God's will, you actually get off the track. So picture like railroad tracks. This is how I pictured this. Nobody ever, ever said this to me. Okay. But this was like, in my mind, and I mean up through college, this is in my mind, this is how it was. It was like, this is God's will for your life. It's a straight train track. Okay. But if I sin or if I make a bad decision that wasn't what God wanted for me, they actually called it the permissive will. So picture like a, a train track and there's like a, what do they call it? I don't know what do you call it. I know it's a train where it goes a different direction. Yeah. I know a direction. I know what you're saying. Yeah. It splits off, whatever, right? It kind yeah. of has a little V. Well, one of them was the right way. One of them is the wrong way, but it's permissive. Okay. So if I say, I'm, I want to go to college, where do I want to go to college? Well, man, I want to go to this university it's cheap, it's free, whatever, right? But it's it's uh, secular, if you will, right? For lack of a better term, it's not a, a Christian university. Okay, well, God will allow that, but it's not what he really wants for your life. Okay, so, so it was like my whole life, I'm just trying to follow this thing. Okay, well, then this girl, is, is she God's will for my life, right? And it becomes that thing of like, I got to find this one blade of grass, in that field that I've got to find, whether that's a school or or a, a spouse or a house, how many kids am I supposed to have? I mean, fill in the blank. And and the, yeah. and then when you when you like uh, reverse engineer that, how far back do you go? Right? Like yeah. Like is this the toothpaste I should buy? Like what kind of toilet paper sh- should I even be buying? Toilet paper? Like there's so many things. <laughs> Did Jesus buy toilet paper? I, like, there's so many things that you can just—it's—it's it's debilitating. Yeah. When you try to figure out, is there only one will of God for my life? And when you do that, God becomes a micromanager versus a shepherd, and he's nowhere in Scripture is he a micromanager. Nowhere is he like do this, do that. When he says do this, do that, people do that <laughs> like and it, yeah, and, and sometimes yeah. they reject it and they say no i'm not going to do that and he's like okay well then that's not going to work out well for you he's either very clear or he says here's a field right this is this is uh just hey i'm i'm, I'm the shepherd i'm gonna lead you by still waters i'm gonna make you lie down by green pastures he puts us in the field of green pastures he doesn't tell us what grass to eat he just says go go here you go here's here's where you're at and I think that's God's revealed will or his moral will uh, within the scriptures revealed to us how to live. And we have a lot of freedom in that spot. So yeah, I was taught the specific will, right? So, I mean, does that, does that ring a bell with you as far as like, was there something specific you were looking for or? See, I think that was the thing. It was more so I th- I don't know if there was a direct, like, this is what I'm shooting for. It was more like, be within the bounds of these rules, because this is what God wants for me. And if I deviate from these rules, if I'm bad or if I'm good, I'll be rewarded for that. And it will lead me on a kind of general path to prospering in whatever I decide to do. Um, so I think, in a way, I was trying to live live God's revealed will by not sinning in certain ways, not doing X, Y, and Z, but there was never, 
I don't think I grew up in as conservative an upbringing to like have it be something where it's like, if you deviate from this, like it's off by this little blade of grass. Like I didn't feel that paralysis. Um, that's good. But yeah, it is, it is, it is interesting. Like, and by the grace of God, like hearing stories of your upbringing to where you are now, like I, I would think, man, just the paralysis and the debilitating nature of what that provides to what I see, at least I, what I see from you now, I feel like I know you pretty well, mm-hmm. um, of just having that freedom and like just that about face yeah. as, is cool yeah. to see. No, totally. So here's, here's the analogy. Let me, if I can uh, uh, paint a visual analogy from what you just said, um, compared to where I like, I don't know, my up, up, my upbringing, my upbringing, but it wasn't, it's not just me. There's a, a lot of people, I think within Christendom, within the Christian world, evangelicalism fall into this idea of thinking and, and you can call it manipulation, uh, which I would, uh, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but it's, it's dangerous. Okay. And here, so here's the analogy. You have this mountain and on the mountain, there's a, there's a road, uh, you know, going, going through this mountain, there's a, there's a guardrail on the outside of the mountain and it's just a sheer cliff straight off the, straight off the side it was a wealthy individual. And he says, uh, he hires, he's trying to look for a new chauffeur, uh, to drive his daughter up this mountain road into the school. Okay. This is all very, very hypothetical. And yet it was, uh, taught or told to me more than once. I mean, multiple times I heard this. The idea was that the first guy, there's three people, this, this wealthy person says, Hey, I want you to show me how good of a driver you are. All right. So the first driver, he is that he's inches away from the guardrail. I mean, inches, doesn't touch him, just goes around the corner, no problem whatsoever, but he's inches, doesn't touch him. The second driver, trying to show how skilled of a driver he is, he goes, man, I don't even know, I don't know how I can even begin to improve on that. So he just says, I'm going to go for it. So he takes his car and he just, rakes the whole right side on that guardrail. I mean, just around the whole guardrail. The third guy says, I can't get any closer to that side other than going off the edge. Maybe I should just be as safe as possible. Okay. So then he takes his limo and he scrapes it on the, on the mountain wall on the left side. Who gets hired? Well, the guy that was the safest. Okay. Because because if God has a specific will to say, cut your hair like this, drink these things, don't drink these things, eat these things, don't eat these things, which the Apostle Paul will talk about, uh, <laughs> which that's another conversation. But to say, this is how you need to live, period. Is that what God does? No. He says, I don't care if you scrape the mountain wall or if you scrape the fence. Don't wreck the car into the mountain and don't go flying off the handrail off the cliff. That's, hmm. I have freedom here. And so for me, and, and my upbringing was, okay, can I drink alcohol? Can you drink alcohol? Well, maybe you can, but let's be as safe as possible. 
let's scrape that limo on the left side of that mountain. Let's stay as far away from that as we possibly can, and you'll be okay. You'll be safe. Well, that's true. Or maybe it's okay, but I just got to be careful with it, and I can't go flying off the rail with it. Right? Yeah. There's, there's this freedom that God gives us within his commands of saying, uh, and, that's, and that's one little, I mean, really little thing. There's a, there's a million of those that we could yeah. go through that whole process to say, okay, should I be more conservative, a little bit more, a little bit more grace and freedom, man, I think it's, you got to take one thing at a time. Uh, but yet the way I grew up, it was, let's just stay as far, as far away from that stuff as possible. Right. Let's, yeah. let's, let's pull the reins back. Is it okay to go, go to a, and it sounds silly. Is it okay to go to a movie theater? Maybe, but what movies are playing at the theater? You know, yep. it might be Finding Nemo. It might be something really bad. Who knows yeah. what movie you're going into? So let's let's scrape the that wall uh, and be as careful as we possibly can. And let's just eliminate movie theaters. And is that really what God says in his in his scriptures? You know, and so I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. But yeah, well, and, it, and it's interesting, too, just to see the just the wide array of even within Christianity, how you interpret scripture, how you, how you like exegesis, eisegesis kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like you were talking mm-hmm. about before, like, are you taking what's said in that time and putting it right into our context, doing the reverse, that kind of thing. And that's something that I didn't even, I didn't even hear once when I was growing up was you can't go to a movie theater because even though you're not going to the movie, that's inappropriate you might have another one that's inappropriate there. So yeah, it's just, I'm almost in thinking about it, trying to find just being within the rails of that idea. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Totally. Speaking of movie theaters, this is kind of off topic, but it's kind of a fun story. So today I went to a gas station and I'm, I'm wearing a uh, Jurassic Park uh, t-shirt, of course, if anybody knows me. Of course. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a big fan. And the guy, the, you know, uh, cashier, you know, we got plexiglass between us and our masks and all that. And he just says, Oh, do you, do you like Jurassic park? <laughs> Which it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Softball question. I'm literally wearing a uh, Jurassic park t-shirt. Right. And I said, yeah. yeah, I do. And he was like, well, why? <laughs> and I said, well, actually it was the first movie I ever saw in the theater. And, uh, he was like, Wow. He's like, do you want to go? So he's like, are you going to go check out the dinosaurs at the state fair? So at, at the Minnesota state fairgrounds right now, there's these huge, you know, 40 foot animatronic dinosaurs that they used in the actual Jurassic Park movie, which I, I would love to go see. And I've been trying to get my three-year-old to go check out with me. And I was trying to show him some videos of it. And I said, Hey man, do you want to go see these, these dinosaurs? And he goes, uh, I like dinosaurs with bones. Okay. So it's like, so I told that to the guy. I was like, he just, he only likes dinosaurs and bones. And then he said, oh, he's an anthropologist. And that's not the right word. Anthropology is the study of man. The real, the, the actual language is a paleontologist. Paleontologist studies dinosaur bones. But it was like, it brought me to like a deep place. I was like, wow, that was deep. Like the study of man is actually the study of dead bones like getting into the depravity of man. And I was like, my mind was just going nuts. And I was like, 
Yeah, he's yeah, he's an anthropologist. Like I was like, I was very confused. But anyways, that was the story. Sorry. Uh, rabbit. Nice. We caught it. We got it. We're done. Going back. Squirrel. Squirrel. Yep. But I think I caught it. Okay. Here's the here's the last question I have I have for you. Do you think the phrase "It's God's will that we uh, fill in the blank" is a valid use of why we should we should do something? For example, when I was in college, I had a good friend of mine, uh, and a, another guy came uh, into the picture, and he was like, "Hey, I think it's God's will that we should date." Okay, now he's a Christian. They're both believers. They're both in touch with the Holy Spirit. Uh, they're both reading the same Bible and this guy comes along and says, I think it's God's will that we should date. What do you, what do you do with that? Right. Go. You're asking what I would yeah, do. Yeah, go, go ahead, Andrew. What would, I mean, if look, it was a woman or whatever. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I see. I would, I would, I would turn away and just walk away probably. <laughs> or just like, that's the stuff that drives me bonkers. Like, it's just like, where did you, like, where did you even get that? I don't understand. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, even if, even if there's like scripture that doesn't necessarily even relate to that, but like, maybe you can get like, how does that connect? I like, it blows my mind. Yeah. Well, it, it doesn't. And that, and that's a way of just, that's just manipulation. Right. Yeah. And you can, yeah. and you can imagine growing up in, in, in maybe circles like mine or even not like mine. If if I really want to follow and pursue God's will, which I want to do now, if I have somebody that I respect or look up to that comes to me and says, hey, this is God's will that you do this, right? Or that you yeah. don't do this or, or like fill in the blank, right? How How easy it would be to listen to them. Just that God's will language, right? Um which started the whole, you know, uh, crusades, you know, that was the the phrase was God wills it, you know, and it's these these big battles and it's like, Oh, should we fight them? Should we fight the Muslims? Should we, well, God wills it. And it's like, how do you, how do you fight against that? How do you counter that? Well, no, I don't, I don't think, no, God doesn't will it. Like, I mean, how do you, it's it's a it's one of those just kind of like trump cards of like this is how yep. it's gonna go. Uh, it, it, case in point, there was one time uh, we were voting on something as elders, and uh, I forget who said it, but one of the elders just said, "All those in favor say go God." Uh, so it was kind of one of those things. Where it was like, <laughs> like we yeah, of course we all yep we want this thing. I don't remember what it was. I have no idea. It could have been a budget. It could have been voting on a new elder. I I don't remember. But it was go God. Okay, so everyone's like, go God. All those opposed say not God. Like what are you like, what are you supposed to say? Yeah, yeah. Right in that. And it's kind of one of those things. So when somebody comes up, it's like, oh man, it's God's will that we should date. It's very manipulative. Um yeah. and that's not okay. And yet, if I say, is there it okay, so let me ask you this, and I'm not trying to put you in the spot, but I'm going to. Yep, no. That's good. Is there a way to use that phrase? It is God's will that we could you ever use that and then fill in the blank to where it would actually be like, yeah, I agree. I th- I think I was going to I and you I think you alluded to aspects of that in the first part of what you talked about. Um, but I was actually going to ask you that in terms of 
how do you delineate like this is said in scripture, this is true about scripture. We have references to back it up through multiple passages in scripture. I would say it's God's will that we pray. It's God's will that we seek him in our decisions whether it's whether it's x y or z decision he's not going to tell us what to to do like picking blades of grass mm-hmm. he's going to say seek me in in your endeavors right. and i will lead you yeah. as a shepherd yeah exactly and i think so there are there are some passages of scripture that are very explicit like this is god's will that you fill in the blank but there are other ones like pray um, that would be like, no, this, like, it's a command. Like, you don't, like, like Jesus just says, when you pray, okay, Jesus is God. Uh, I'm praying to God, the father. So when he says, when you pray, that's a command, right? That's, that's okay. What is God's will? Yeah. That I should be praying. Right. So because scripture is my highest authority, it's my ultimate authority, period. And so, if somebody then comes in, this and I'm not I'm not making this up. I have had multiple multiple people come to me and say, um, I've realized that it's it's not God's will that I should be married uh, to my wife. I think that I need to be no 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 no. You don't understand Scripture. What Scripture says is that marriage is a covenant. It's an unbreakable covenant. So you're 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 married, okay? You're like you you are together. Uh, and we're going to work this thing out. Let's talk about it. Just because she doesn't make toast the way you like to make toast isn't now that that's actually a, a law that, uh, was within Judaism. She burnt my toast. I can get a divorce. Um, so Dang. that, okay. Yeah, I know. I know. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, well, okay. Well, anyways, so is that God's will? No, because God's will, his moral will has clearly revealed that I get married once and I'm done and I'm married to that yeah. woman for the rest of my life. So for me to say, hey, I don't think it's God's will that I should marry this person. No, that's actually, that's actually very contradictory. You, you just, because you're uncomfortable, you're not happy. Happiness is not part of God's will. Never has been, never will be. Uh, so we got to look at the entirety of scripture and say, what is the, what is the principle? What's the main thing that God's trying to teach me through this passage and then take that, apply it to my life, and that trumps my feelings. That trumps other people's yeah. feelings. Scripture, scripture, scripture is my highest authority, period. Yeah. And I th- I think that's what I, maybe it's just my Midwestern Minnesota demeanor of growing up and not wanting to, to have an opinion or like have a informed thought a lot of the time with just in terms of this is right. This is, this is God's will in terms of he's explicitly said this in scripture. We should follow this. Mm -hmm. Like this should be something that we follow, um, without being a Bible thumper where it's like, this is God's will that you're not living in sin anymore. And that if you are that you're going to hell and, Mm -hmm. um, gosh, like I just, I don't know. If a, if a podcast is about anything in terms of spreading information appropriately, mm-hmm. like if any non-Christians are listening to this, like I just hope they would hear like that is that is not love. That's not what God 
no. is describing in scripture. And so, so stuff like that, I got a little tangent there, but yeah, no, no, no like, it's perfect. Yeah. No. Cause I can't. Yeah. So, so explicitly, I even said this before. Um, and I, I don't, I don't even have the, I don't know the passages, but, uh, it says, this is God's will for your life that you flee sexual immorality. All right. Well, let's just start there. If that was the only will of God for my life, I fail. Like I'm done. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I'm toast. Like I can't, I can't do it. So, so I need the grace of God. I need Jesus and his compassion and his grace to come into just that one minute little aspect of my life and say, I still love you in spite of your down downfall and in spite of your failures and say, I'm the way you need my righteousness. It can't be your righteousness, Brian, because you're an idiot. Like you, you yeah. fail all the time. Yeah. Um, and so to say like, oh, I just got to pursue God's will, pursue God's will. I mean, that's that's the book of Romans. We've all fallen short. We, we can't. I, I cannot perfectly achieve God's will. Oh, but wait, Jesus did. Yeah. I put my faith in him. That's that's what this is all about. Right. Yeah. Um, but when the people that I would say I'm a believer and I've got to figure out this one specific thing for my life, I think we're missing that beauty of the gospel. We're missing the yep. beauty of the freedom that we have in Christ. Um, yeah. So any other last thoughts that you have anything to add? Nah, man. Take away. Check out Brian on Sunday rewind. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We're on Sunday rewind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, everyone, thanks for uh, watching Sunday, watching Sunday, uh, listening to Sunday rewind. Hey, uh, to those of you who in, in Spain, and Switzerland, like, <laughs> hey, I want to give you guys a shout out because uh, you have been faithfully downloading every new podcast, which is kind of kind of cool. It's pretty sweet. It is. So I'm assuming you speak English uh, or you you wouldn't listen to this because uh, I do not know. Spanish. Spanish is one of them. I know yep. that's like a, it's a difference. It's Spaniard. Spanish is very different than like. Mexico Spanish, isn't it? I see. Where you're... It's like Italian. Italian is. I mean, it's it's. There's a lot of similarities, but it's it's different. I'll have to ask Caitlin. Yeah. She'll well, know more. I don't know. Uh, and then Switzerland. You clearly know that English. That is a great I question. I'll look that up later. I don't even know what language. We're gonna Swiss? probably cut this out. No, we're, we're not. gonna probably. No, we're not. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, that concludes this uh, episode of Sunday Rewind. Again, episode ten. Whoop whoop. And let's do 10 more. Let's do 10 more. Uh, so again, thanks for being here, everyone. And we will see you all soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks again for joining me today on Sunday Rewind. I hope it was informative as well as helpful in your everyday life as you pursue your walk with Jesus as Lord.